Welcome to another inspiring message recorded at Thrive Church, a church passionate about moving people towards Jesus. Hey everybody, thank you so much for joining us today and thank you too for the privilege of having us in your home today. It's so good that we can be together in this time and what a privilege it was for us to have had Pastor Donovan Kutsia with us last weekend for Father's Day. He's a father to so many of us in our group and on the note of Father's Day, trust all the dads had the most amazing day and you guys were really, really spoiled. Some of you might remember the story that I'm about to tell you. In 2010, 34 Chilean miners were trapped in a rock fall under 700,000 tons of rock. There was very little real hope that they would ever be found or come out of it alive. But luckily, these men had a man called Luis Urtsua as their leader. You see, he was the shift commander at the time of the disaster, and this man used all of his wits and all of his leadership skills to help his men remain calm for the 17 harrowing days it took for rescuers to make their first contact. Under his leadership, the men stretched an emergency food supply that was meant to last just 48 hours, two days. They stretched it for more than two weeks, taking tiny sips of milk and bites of tuna only every second day. Mr. Urtsua said, we only had a little bit of food. We give thanks to God that we were able to resist. It was no surprise then that Mr. Urtsua was the last of the 33 miners to leave the San Jose gold mine after 70 days underground. He was just that kind of guy. You know, this story shows the power of great leadership and the power of self-leadership, being able to lead ourselves. You see, every man underground there had to learn to lead himself, mentally, physically, emotionally, socially. Every single man had to lead himself in a situation that they never expected to face. I mean, can you imagine being underground in pitch darkness for 70 days? Can you imagine how much self-leadership that would require of you? Can you imagine the chaos that would have happened if these men had lost control of their self-leadership? You see, in times of challenge, leadership and self-leadership specifically, it really matters. The last few months on our planet have revealed many things to us, haven't they? It's told us how little control we have over the world around us. It's told us and taught us how connected we actually all are to each other. How what happens in one part of our world actually affects all of us. It's told us how much prejudice there is in our world. It's revealed the best and the worst of humanity. It's also revealed how much we all need each other. I think one of the greatest things, one of the biggest things that this time has revealed to us is just how much leadership really matters leadership of nations and companies and churches and nonprofits, but also self-leadership, how we lead ourselves. It really, really matters, and it really matters in seasons and moments like we're in now. Each one of us, we are leaders because we have to lead ourselves. And the most important person you and I will ever lead is ourselves. In fact, the ancient Roman poet, a man called Publius Cyrus, he said this, would you have a great empire? Well, then rule over yourself. Hey, we're in a series at the moment called What to Do in the Through. What to do in the through. The reason we're in the series is because we are in a through 
season at the moment. It's a time when life is not as it once was, but we're also not sure what the future is going to look like. So we're in this through season. And so we kicked the series off two weeks ago by focusing on how to live through, how to live through this kind of season. We said that the past is not where we camp, it's where we got our experience. We said the present is not where we complain, instead the present is a gift. We said the future is not what we fear, the future is what we hope for, it's filled with hope. Well today we learn how to lead ourselves through the season. What to do in the through? Learn to lead yourself through. See, leadership science is showing us more and more that the most effective leaders in the world are those who are spending up to 50% of their time leading themselves, reading, listening, increasing their knowledge, taking care of themselves, leading themselves. Because self-leadership determines everything else in our lives. Scripture describes a man called Samson. Many of you have heard of him. The guy with long hair who had supernatural physical strength. The guy who ate the honey out of the carcass of a lion. That guy. He's the guy you're thinking of. He was a man who was enormously and profoundly gifted by God. But, and it's a big but, he lacked any sense of self-leadership. Samson couldn't lead himself out of a paper bag. The man was a self-leadership disaster. And because of it, so sad, he never lived up to his leadership potential. He ended up killing so, so many people. Had his eyes gouged out by his enemies. Died pulling the roof of a temple down on himself and killing himself and thousands of Philistine enemies. You can read his story in the Old Testament book of Judges. It's a story of triumph and tragedy all rolled into one. But most of all, it's a story that tells the disastrous consequences of not leading ourselves well. So, what to do in the through? This is what our series is all about. What to do in the through? Well, we have to learn to lead ourselves through. So the question then becomes, how do we lead ourselves well? Well, we move towards Jesus. That's always the answer, isn't it? That's our singular purpose at Thrive Church, to keep moving towards Jesus. To be with Him, become like Him, do what He did. The reason we do this is because Jesus was a master of how to live. He was also a master of self-leadership. And there were three strategies that Jesus used to great effect in order to lead himself well. Here they are. Firstly, Jesus led himself through rhythms. The first thing Jesus did was he led himself through rhythms. And we must learn to lead ourselves like him through rhythms. Jesus was a man who was crazy busy always in demand, always too many people needing and demanding his time. Yet, Jesus was also a man of rhythms, and he understood the importance of rhythms to his own life. Luke 5 verse 16 tells us that Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. Often. He often regularly withdrew to be with God to pray. It was a rhythm. Luke 4 verse 16 tells us that Jesus went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. As was his custom. He had a custom. He had a rhythm. Every Sabbath, Jesus went to synagogue. Just in these two verses, we see two rhythms that we know and hear about in Jesus' life. He went to the wilderness. He went to quiet spaces to pray. And Jesus went to the synagogue to church every week to pray. 
rhythms. Jesus understood how important rhythms are to human beings. Have you ever thought about it? Rhythm is so built into our biology that our hearts actually pump blood to a rhythm. That's how wired and made we are for this thing called rhythm. Arrhythmia means an irregular heartbeat. Diagnosing it is critical because arrhythmia can indicate severe heart damage. You know, when we have irregular rhythms, it can damage our hearts. We are made for rhythm. We need rhythms to feel anchored and orientated. And this COVID season has changed all of our rhythms, hasn't it? Jesus had rhythms, and he had rhythms of being with people and rhythms of being by himself. He had rhythms of busyness and of quietness, of being alone and being in church. And we need both. We need to both be in community and we need to have space for ourselves. As we follow Jesus... We do what he did. He had community and he had time alone. Allow me for a moment to take a quick rabbit trail, a short lift down the road of community for a minute or so. It's really important that I say and that you hear what I'm about to say. In this season, while we need physical distance, we must be careful not to social distance. We need the rhythms of being with people and we need to be so careful that we don't isolate ourselves completely. Use the excuse of having tech fatigue. I always feel a bit amazed when I hear people say things like, like this, like I've got tech fatigue. I, I mean, we do, but I think to myself, Jesus died for us by being brutally crucified. I think he probably had pain fatigue, but he went through with it because it was what he was made for. Yet sometimes we struggle to log onto a computer to be the church that he loves and is coming back for. Food for thought, hey. We need people, people, all of us, introverted, extroverted, even if it's online or on Zoom, don't fool yourself. You need people. And when we isolate ourselves, we open ourselves up to increased levels of worrying and anxiety. We feel more easily discouraged and we can become depressed. If God himself created mankind because he needed company, well, so do you. I can't tell you how amazing it's been having been back at the office just seeing our staff. Talking about people, you know, life groups start up again soon. Watch the church news and social media channels for when those dates are. But the Thrive app or the website is where you can have a look at each of the groups, figure them out, and sign up for one. Be with some people. It'll be good for you. Don't isolate yourself. So back to leading ourselves through rhythms. We need daily rhythms, daily rhythms where we wake up at the same time, where we exercise at the same time, where we go to bed at the same time, where we connect with God at the same time. Our bodies are made for rhythms. Your body needs to come to know and work with your rhythms. Give it daily rhythms, but also give it weekly rhythms. Sabbath rest. For example, as Jesus did, let's put into place key rhythms, rhythms of activity and rhythms of rest, rhythms of doing and rhythms of reflecting, rhythms of scripture and of prayer. Can I ask you today, how are your rhythms? You see, we lead ourselves through rhythms. And as we do so, let's remember that rhythms 
are like a pebble. If I throw a pebble into a pond, just as that pebble thrown into the pond hits the water and creates ripples that travel outward, so do our personal rhythms. They affect everything else in our lives. Firstly, Jesus led himself through rhythms. Secondly, he led himself through principle, not emotion. And so do we. We lead ourselves through principle and not emotion. A thought struck me the other day. Don't know if you've ever thought about this. But Jesus led himself to the cross. What amazing self-leadership through principle. He led himself through the unpleasant in order to accomplish the important. Why? Because Jesus knew the principle of surrender. And he knew that his life was about the cross. That was his purpose. And so he surrendered to that purpose. Here's the thing. Jesus lived out of principle, surrender, so he could accomplish his purpose. Jesus lived from principle to purpose. And when we live from principle, we achieve our purpose, just like Jesus. Much of the problem with our culture at the moment is that we don't live out of principle. Instead, we live out of emotion. We make decisions based upon our emotion, not principle. We decide to do things or not to do things based upon how we feel. And it's fundamentally a destructive way to live. See, if you invested in the stock market, when the stock market goes down, the natural response for all of us is to want to pull our money out. That's because there are two emotions driving us, namely fear and greed. And yet, the research shows that the number one way to destroy your wealth is to take your money out of the market after the stock market goes down. You see, emotion can destroy value. So too in our lives. Emotion and making decision from emotion can destroy the value in our lives. You see, because when we make decisions out of emotion, we become erratic. And we go after whatever seems good at the time, and we never accomplish anything of meaning and significance. That's what happens when we get led by our emotions and make decisions out of emotion. This is because, as Joyce Meyer reminds us, our feelings are unreliable and cannot be trusted to convey truth. We have to learn to live beyond our emotions. In other words, make decisions beyond our emotions. Here's the thing I have noticed. Here's, here's the thing. Doing what's good for me feels hard for me. Doing what's good for me feels hard for me. Like planking or not eating an entire packet of salt and vinegar chips. Good for me, but hard for me. I have to make a decision to put what I want most above what I want now. You see, what I want most is a healthy long run in ministry. That's the principle. And I want it above the comfort of eating what I want right now. That's the emotion. I want a healthy body. That's the principle. I want it more than lying in bed staying warm. That's the emotion. What I want most is more important than what I want now. What's good for me does feel hard for me. In winter, when we get up to run, it feels cold. It feels dark. It's good for me, but it's hard for me. Drinking water feels like such a schlep. It's good for me, but it's hard for me. Getting to life group after work feels like an effort when I'm tired. It's good for me, but it's hard for me. Studying, working and studying at the same time, sacrifice that that involves. It's good for me, but it's hard for me. See, I have to learn to lead myself through purpose and not emotion. Out of principle, not emotion, even when it's hard for me. I have to learn to lead myself out of principle 
towards purpose. I can't be leading myself out of emotion or from a place of emotion. You see, when I do, when I lead out a principle, I do what's good for me, even though it's hard for me. The third strategy that Jesus employed is that he led himself through the story that he listened to. Let me explain. Right at the beginning of his ministry, just as he was about to get going with his ministry and do all that God wanted him to do, Satan came to Jesus and tempted him three times with three stories. It was a strategic time and Satan knew it. He knew that if he could get Jesus to believe his stories, he could derail Jesus' ministry. And so he told him three tempting stories about how to take the easy road. The three stories all sounded great. They sounded fantastic. They sounded like they would be good, easy, appealing. But they were fake news. They were lies. Thankfully, Jesus didn't listen to the stories. And he led himself through listening to the right story. The story that God had sent him with a purpose and a mission. You know, church, there are exterior stories in our lives, aren't there? The media and news. And then there are interior stories, the stories we tell ourselves. The exterior stories are seldom good news stories because good news doesn't sell. And the interior stories is where Satan can lie to us. He tells us, and the thing is, it's in our own voice. He tells us, hey, you can't do it. You're not qualified. You aren't going to make it. You'll never be able to find another job, not in this season. Are you crazy? Your kids, I don't know about their future. This virus is going to destroy everything. He tells us stories that are lies. He tells us things like, I don't think God cares about me. I can't carry on much longer. Jesus, I want you to notice this today, led himself through the story he allowed himself to listen to, and he threw away the fake news. How? Well, he knew scripture. And so each time a lie came, he knew it for what it was, and he knew how to defend himself against it. There is only one defense against the wrong story, and that's to know the right story. We have the right story in scripture. All we need to do is access it. The promises of God about who he is, who we are in him, and the plans that he has for our future. The right story. It's really important. The Trojan horse is a story from the Trojan War about the cunning plan that the Greeks used to enter the independent city of Troy and win the war. You see, after laying siege to Troy for 10 years, which yielded no results, the Greeks constructed this enormous wooden horse and they put a select force of men inside, including a man called Odysseus. The Greeks pretended then to sail away and the Trojans pulled this horse that was left on the beach into their city as a victory trophy. That night, the Greek force crept out of the horse, opened the gates for the rest of the Greek army, which had sailed back under the cover of night. And the Greeks entered and destroyed the city of Troy, ending the war. Here's the point. The people of Troy believed the wrong story, that the horse was a victory trophy. In fact, it was the very thing that brought about their defeat. Believing the wrong story can be costly. 
Church, let's recap quickly. Self-leadership, it really, really matters. It affects everything else in our lives. What to do in the through? We must learn to lead ourselves well. And as we do so, we follow Jesus' three strategies. Firstly, remember, he led himself through rhythms that worked for him and honored God. Secondly, he led himself through living out of principle and not emotion. Thirdly, he led himself through listening to the right story. Let me give us and suggest to us today three thoughts for our application. Firstly, how are your rhythms? What rhythms do you need to put in place in your life immediately? Secondly, let me ask you, how much of your decision making is based upon emotion instead of principle? Decide what's good for you and accept that it will be hard for you. Thirdly, let me ask, which story are you listening to? Let's be careful of the exterior stories of fake news and the interior stories of lies that the devil would have us believe. The only defense to the wrong story is to know the right story. So start this week by memorizing one verse a week. You know, church, Jesus lived this way because he was so focused on his purpose. What was his purpose? Well, it was to bring the kingdom of God to earth, to show it to us, to teach it to us, to show us what the Father is like, to show us how to live, to show us the way to an eternal friendship with God the Father. And Jesus said that really in the culmination of his purpose, he stands now at the door of each of our hearts and he knocks. And whoever hears and opens the door, invites him in, he says, I will come in and dine with him or her and they with me. The amazing thing about this is that if you and I are open to Jesus, we can open up the door of our hearts and we can invite him in and we can begin our journey and friendship with him. Self-leadership starts with a friendship with Jesus. And so if you would like to start that friendship today, you can do so right now in this moment. I'm going to pray, and as I do so, I'm going to be praying for you. And I'd love to invite you to join with me and to pray with me. Shall we pray together? Father God, thank you so much for your love for us. Jesus, thank you that you came to earth. You were a master of how to live. Thank you that you taught us how to live. Thank you that you taught us the power of self-leadership. Thank you that you lived this perfect life, never disappointed God, went and led yourself to the cross. What an amazing thought to think that you led yourself to what was difficult for you, also that you could fulfill the purpose of allowing us access to a friendship with you and with the Father. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you that you allowed yourself to be brutally crucified. You died and rose again on the third day by the power of the Holy Spirit. And in this moment right now, I want to stop and reflect on my life and say, thank you for doing that for me. In this moment, I want to make a decision to open my life to you, to open my heart to you. As your word says that when I do so, you come in and you live with me. You begin to take up residence in my life and begin to change my life and rewrite the script for my life. Thank you for that. As I do so, thank you that you've given me the faith to accept that you enter my life and begin a new journey with me. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that in this moment as I open my life to you, you come into my life and begin to live and breathe in my life. I want to ask your forgiveness, Father, sincerely for where I've gone wrong, for where I've blown it, where I've sinned against you. And I ask for your power to fill my life now in Jesus' name. Amen. 
If you prayed that prayer today, we want to warmly and sincerely congratulate you. Congratulations. That is the best decision you could ever, ever have made. And we want you to know that all around our community, all around the East Rand and all over, wherever Thrive Online is being watched, there are people in our church cheering for you in this moment, behind screens, cheering you on, wishing you all the best, congratulating you. And we would love for you to let us know that you made this decision today. You could simply WhatsApp, follow Jesus to the number on your screen right now. Or if you're watching on our church online platform, you can click the raise hand down in the bottom right-hand side of the screen. All that'll do is let us know that you've made that decision. We'd love to congratulate you. We'll simply reply by saying, well done, and we'll offer to give you some first steps in your faith journey. You've made the best decision Ever. Hey, church, for the rest of us, as we enter this week, let's remember what to do in the through. Well, we need to learn to lead ourselves through. Jesus led himself so well. He led himself through his rhythms. He led himself through living out of principle and not emotion. He led himself through listening to the right story. As we head into this week, let's do likewise. Have a fantastic week, everybody. Take care. We hope you have been blessed and helped by this message. For more information about our church, visit our website at www.thrivechurch.co.za.